Cynic Empowerment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Cynic Empowerment. Thanks for joining us Woo-hoo, again. This all right. I'm Jimmy Horn, as always. And I am Tim Carpenter. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna do our best to make you sad, but in the process. We're going to examine these issues. We're going to try to find the silver lining and try to find a uh, little bit of positivity that exists surrounding these sad, sad issues. Right, Jimmy? That's absolutely correct. And I actually, I have, I have a subject I want to talk about. So, you know, it, it's, it's summer's Ooh. coming up, right? There's lots of things yeah. people look forward to during the summer, such as grilling okay. and beaches and warm weather in general. Is there anything that you're looking forward to, Tim, with the summer? Um, the sunburns. Uh, <laughs> I happen to, I happen to be, uh, paler than pale. I'm nearly clear. Like I'm, I'm extremely white. And, uh, as soon as I step outside, it goes from super pale to, uh, insta blister burn. Like it's, it's pretty quick. Yikes. So definitely looking forward to that. I actually got some new tires for my mountain bike. Uh, which I put off for such a long time because I, I feel as though like, uh, the acquisition of, you know, tires or material possessions makes me feel kind of weird. You know, like I'm always like buying, buying expensive tires and, you know, there's some child in a third world country that's like using some discarded tire for like an oven or something. I don't know. Oh like, god, some, yeah. No, you're using it. I, w- I would say like using it as a play toy, but actually growing up, I had a tire swing, so that's uh that's pretty run of the mill though. Oh, and I I was putting them on yesterday, and I popped both my inner tubes because I have no idea what I'm doing. No. <laughs> so now I, I, <laughs> now I have to buy more inner tubes and feel bad about that. I did. I I went in yesterday and uh <laughs> went right back to the store. It's like right down the road. Uh, like, hey guys, uh, I was, uh, filling up the, my tires, you know, filling up the inner tubes within my tires and I popped both of them and they're like, oh, well, you should just bring your wheels in because you have no idea how to do bike maintenance. Oh. Like, yeah, yeah. You're pretty much right. Did you bring they did it, it all for free. Oh, they did it for yeah, free. Yeah, bro. They did it for free and they gave me the inner tubes. Like, it was great. So there's your silver lining right there. Already looking. Yeah, I'll be able to ride around all over the place. Looking forward to it. So yeah, the weather is fantastic. Uh, I like the fact that all the animals are out. It's pretty nice. With the exception of a few. I'm not a huge fan of, of wasps. Yeah, wasps and mosquitoes. Double pass. Yeah, mosquitoes especially. Gosh. And then you got ticks. Uh, Oof, what? ticks. Yeah, ticks are pretty terrible. I grew up in a, uh, in a religious environment and, uh, there was this, this, this constant, uh, uh, rhetoric that all of God's creatures had been created for a purpose, right? Right, right. And I always thought that was so annoying. It's like, well, what about mosquitoes? <laughs> mosquitoes killed more people than any other animal on the planet. What's their purpose? To kill us? Like, to, to wreak havoc on our environment? Well, lots of birds eat mosquitoes. You gotta keep the birds fed. Got to keep the birds fed. Okay, so that's definitely <laughs> worth all the human lives. Thanks, God. 
I mean, if we're going, you know, if it's a one-for-one one ratio, like humans equally important to mosquito and or bird, I mean, I guess it's fair, right? In, yeah, in God's eyes. We're all just the same decaying matter. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I, I did definitely go through, like, a phase where I tried to have a Buddhist mindset and be like, oh, I don't, I'm not going to smash the mosquito, pool, but I'm over that. I kill them all. I don't feel bad. Cockroaches, dead. Donezo. Oh. Don't care. Donezo, wipe them out. Yeah, I think that would be totally fine with that. Well, and there's a lot of parasites out there like that, but yeah, Tim, if absolutely. You, if you were a uh, a Chinese person living in Yulin, China, you might be uh, looking forward to a festival that occurs uh, for the summer solstice every year in Yulin, yeah. China, and this festival <laughs> is the dog meat festival. Yeah. Woo! So, so yeah. So, All right, I'm gonna have me a shish kebab. Big old, big old shank of dog leg. Yeah. You know, like you walk there and you, you go past all of these, you know, these little huts that have got all the steam going on and all the good smells. And you walk up and you're like, hey, uh, what you guys cooking in there? And then they say some kind of word that you don't understand because you don't speak Chinese or, or whatever kind of language. And, uh, and like, I'll sell you this for five dollars and you pick up this big thing. It's like, man, that's the biggest turkey leg I've ever seen. And you just start munching on it, but it's but it's chewy, I guess. It's well, I don't know. So I've I've done a little bit of research for once in my life, and Yay. I found a website. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes of this guy. I was just talking about the history of eating dogs. It's like this three-page long article of this guy just talking about different cultures eating dog. And then there's this little subnote in there where the guy says, and I quote. The author of this article has eaten domestic dog roasted in the usual way and can confirm that the flavor is indeed remarkably like veal and quite pleasing to the palate. Now, I don't know what the conventional way of cooking dog is, but apparently the dog he had was cooked in the conventional way, and apparently it tastes like veal, and uh, he liked it, so... I guess it tastes good. I don't know. I'm not a big veal person. How do you feel about veal, Tim? Darn. Uh, so, ah, that's tough. Uh, so there, there's like this natural equilibrium that you have between uh, how uh, intelligent or meek an animal is mm-hmm. uh, in comparison to how good it tastes, right? Uh, so if Something tastes good enough. Do you eat it no matter what? Uh, but of course, that's a very slippery slope kind of reductionist argument. And ultimately, you know, once you get to the end of it, you're like, okay, so if human is the best tasting thing right. on the planet, do you eat human? Like, what if you no, found out like not. human dicks was like the most delicious delicacy in the world? It's like, oh my god, human dicks. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like so good, yeah. can't resist. Super tasty. Oh gosh, that would be so fucked up. Is somebody who's like grave robber, but they're just like going in and like cutting off the dicks. Right. Just, you know, like you saute them up, and you can have like little parties. You know, like little oh, finger sure. foods. I mean, yeah, have you ever been to a bachelorette party? I haven't, but I've seen pictures, and it's pretty dick themed, so it'd be perfect for that. Just dicks everywhere. Yeah, and while you're like sucking on your little dick straws and your little dick cups, you can actually be munching on some munching on some dick legit barbecue dick but um, um but yeah so 
So, but I get what you're saying with like the veal. But the thing is, I mean, I don't, I, I haven't done a lot of research on veal specifically, but from what I understand, they basically take baby cows and then they tie yeah. them up and then they like force yeah. feed them high grain, high fat, fatty diets and then kill them. And it just seems so sad. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, mainly because they tie them up, right? Like right. they prevent. If they didn't tie them up, I'd be like, you know what? At least like let it have a couple happy years, like not even maybe a couple happy years, a happy year as a little baby cow. Yeah. But to tie them up, it's just like, oh, it's just like literal torture, murder. This is just fucked up. Yeah. Well, production of food gets complicated really fast, right? Because people really like those kinds of flavors, and the human palate is never going to be satisfied. You yeah, always right. want to try things new and interesting. I, I at least I know I do. Like I hate regular old bland food. I don't want to eat baked chicken breast the rest of my life. That, I mean that's true, but you don't have to bake the chicken breast. You can you know marinate it in lots of different sauces, you know, and different kinds of things to give it different flavors. I I Great. eat a pretty boring diet of uh, usually some kind of baked chicken. And a vegetable, but I, I, it's never boring. It's never I just like take the chicken and throw it in there. One week I might do like a, a lemon sage kind of combo with some olive oil, and that's a completely different flavor as opposed to buffalo wings, right? It's it's all chicken, but it all it's all different. Sometimes you just yeah, you gotta spice it up a little bit differently. Like I like to put paprika and cumin on top of mine. You know, give it a little bit of like a taco season, maybe a little bit of like Cajun spice. Uh, and then, like, uh, I'm gonna, you know, maybe rub the outside in a little bit of olive oil, and then I'll take my severed dicks and I'll put them inside <laughs> my chicken. And I'll roast them with it, flavor in it outwards. And instead still get a, instead of a turducken, you get a chick dickin. That's a, that's what chick I call dick. a chick dickin. Yeah. You want the chick dickin? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah. That's so it tastes like veal, and apparently the festival has gotten a lot of national press because Westerners what? hate the idea of anyone eating a dog anywhere at any point in time, and so sure. there's things like the Humane Society International and other groups, I'm sure PETA's involved as well, and trying to okay. stop this festival at all costs, and so the number of dogs being murdered has gone down. Well, I guess eaten. I guess I shouldn't say murdered. Maybe I should. I don't know. I don't have a side in this fight. So it used to be 5,000 to 15,000 dogs that were killed, and now the number is closer to 3,000 in total. And instead of just lining the streets with just dogs that have been cooked and prepared with flamethrowers and stuff, which is insane, and I watch videos, and I wish I hadn't, uh, they now have, I guess it's more hidden away. Like the dog festival, you can still go and you get your dog, but it's not exposed in the same way, I guess, as it was in years past. Mm. Yeah. Mm, I don't know about that. Mm. Oh, okay, so I'm, I'm reading along here, uh, and I'm also kind of doing some research as we go along. Uh, apparently, this started in 2010. Yeah, it's like, fairly recent. The festival itself is a recent thing. It would be archaic. You know, like, some kind of, like, ancient, like, we had to always eat dogs once upon a time, so this is, like, a throwback? In some ways, yes. When I understand Chinese have eaten dog for the last 4,000 years, 
but not all Chinese eat dog. I found a statistic. This was the the research was done though by the Humane Society International, so they, so they might have reasons to twist their survey survey in ways that justify their own goals. But according to this survey, it says that around uh, 20% of Chinese actually eat dog meat regularly, or I guess at all. Uh, and only, yeah. And so it's not everyone that eats it. So I guess it's more popular in certain areas. But you can understand China is a huge country with tons and tons of people. So maybe this is an area of China that has held on to that more so, and it's more of a regular thing. And I guess maybe this time of year is a time when everyone in that area celebrates and enjoys it. It's like the big rib for Chinese, you know? Yeah. You don't eat it year-round, but when the big yeah. rib's around, you're going to eat some big rib, right? Put a shot. Well, I mean, you can eat the big rib if you like random pieces of gristle and bone being found in this congealed mass mm-hmm. of dicks and lips or whatever. It's, I don't know. It's It's... That's pretty disgusting, but it's delicious. It's smeared all over with taste good, like that weird kind of sweet barbecue sauce. You know what I'm talking about? Right, yeah, for sure. It's got liquid smokes all pumped into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Makes me want to make rib. You know what? Next time those come around, I think I'm going to grab me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it growing up. I try to abstain now, um, but I, I, I would be lying if I said I never had eaten a McRib and not enjoyed it. I enjoyed every one that I did eat. So, yeah. You know, before they make those McRibs, they actually torture the McRib first. They uh, they skin it live in front of a crowd of people that's jeering it because it, it makes the makes the McRib taste more uh, more alive, Maybe more fresh. Maybe the McRib comes from, like, an animal that has, like, only ribs. Like, it can't grow yeah. any limbs or anything else, just ribs, and they harvest the ribs from it. And that's called the McRib. Uh, it's like a dachshund, like uh, cow-sized. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Big one cow. <laughs> but, okay, okay, so with the UN Dog Festival, obviously there's a lot of uh, world outrage because of Westerners, and there's a lot of also questions and concerns of whether these dogs aren't just picked up off the street and be like, all right, we got a dog festival, I found a dog. And so... The, there's just a lot of questions of where these dogs come from. And there's also the, con- yeah. like, I guess my, I don't know if I can call this a concern or I think this is weird. It's tra- I don't know if traditionally, but a lot of the times cultures that eat dogs because there has been, uh, you know, cultures all around the world and like, um, like, uh, the Pacific, uh, East and in Africa and even mm-hmm. in ancient, uh, Mexican societies such as the Aztecs that lived there long ago, they ate dog, but it, they would have like a breed of dog that they ate. It was like a specific kind of dog that was. Does that matter? I okay. So here's my context of. I, so I think if you, I think it makes more sense for me specifically if you have a breed of dog like this is a dog that we eat. We bred it so it'd be delicious in a certain way, and this is a dog that we eat. But if you look at pictures for the the dog meat festival, you see all yeah. kinds of dogs in cages. So it, to me, that's when I get to the concern of like, is this like someone's pet that someone just stole or picked up off the street <laughs> or what have you? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of weird. That's how they clean up the, the city. You know, you have too many strays, you throw them all in a big cage together. Whenever you need another one for the barbecue, you... 
pull it out, tie its legs together, and throw it on a spit. Yeah. That's pretty much how that goes. The pictures are horrendous, though. I would encourage everyone out there to go look these things up. Like, they, it just... And it's not even hard to find, like, a, a crazy-looking dude that's, like... Oh, he's got, like, he's got his tongue sticking out. It's, like, his knees on, like, the dog's throat. And somebody else is, like, tying up his back legs. Apparently, that's, like, a thing. They want to make the dog nervous. They want that adrenaline... Uh, you know, pumping through the dog so that it tastes a certain way. Oh, but oh, is that a desired thing? Well, uh, according to this article, it's one of the ones that you sent me, actually. Oh, okay. And they say, let's see if I can find the exact... Aha! Slaughtering takes place in front of the live animals, usually with a club to induce the pain and fear uh, that some restaurants claim make their adrenaline-rich meat tastier. Isn't it oh, traditional that you don't want adrenaline in the meat, that it makes it taste worse? Like, isn't that normally the thing? You try to yeah. coax the animal into a calm state before you slaughter it to avoid that? Yeah. So I am I am not a hunter. Uh, I have, I've never been hunting. But to my understanding, uh, in relation to this whole, like, adrenaline thing, uh, that gamey taste kind of comes from the unusual diet that they have while living in the wild. And the fact that, you know, they, you, most of these animals are going to die in stress, right? Because who, who would have thunk it? You know, like one minute you're, you're eating some grass and you're like, oh my gosh, like there's a whole pile of corn just laying over here and I never get corn. Like this is the best day ever. Much, 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 bam. And then you get shot, like you hear a really loud noise and then you feel like a searing pain. And then of course you're going to freak out if you're an animal because it's like, oh my gosh, like, I was here having the best time of my life, but turns out I, I done got tricked. And now I'm I'm freaking out and I'm bleeding all over the place. And if you don't shoot the animal in the heart, apparently all of that adrenaline will be pumped throughout the body and it'll you know, taint the meat, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe people prefer that in dogs. I, I don't not good. It's just it's not a tasty meat. It tastes like veal, though. Veal's tasty. I will, okay, in all honesty, 100% honest, I've never had veal, and I don't know if I ever will. Uh, but, I mean, like, a lot of that has to do with the expense, and the other half has to do with the fact that I, I know it's, you know, like, these baby animals that have been tied up and have never, you know, uh, whatever. That's all beside the point. I had veal once as, like, a child in an Italian restaurant without realizing what it was. Uh, but oh, really? I don't really remember it that well. I mean, I'm assuming that it was just, like, this small serving of meat that was super fatty. I'm like, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was wasted on me. <laughs> um, They're like eating you veal, and they, your parents are like, man, this this isn't even worth the moral ambiguity of feeding our child this meat. Like they they don't even they don't even know what's going on. They never tasted this good stuff before. Exactly. But I guess if you're gonna spend your entire life just eating like trash. And then the one good meal that you have, like before you die, ends up being veal. Eh, I think that might be okay. Justifiable. They're like, okay, all right, you get this one meal. But but then is it like the kind of scenario where it's like you've had trash your entire life, and then you have that before you die? You're like, this is the shit I've been missing out on. This fucking sucks. It's like you don't realize what you're missing until you you try it, kind of deal. Like you don't you didn't even realize you were missing out on it. It could just be like general disappointment as well. Like, what if you're like, oh man, I've waited all my life for this, this one, uh, guilt-free meal 
and then it ends up just being like average. Like, oh God! Like what have I been for so long? But uh, so I guess so from the the moral standpoint of eating dog in itself, I don't necessarily. I feel like I can't uh, be disparaging on the Chinese people that celebrate the Yulin Dog Meat Festival for eating dog because there's things that Americans eat that other cultures might frown upon, such as cow certain religious people in india might say oh you guys suck you eat cow and so i mean i guess from that standpoint i i am not uh super judgmental but but when you get down to the the abuse that the dogs themselves suffer before they're uh eaten i feel like that's a lot of where my like come on guys you can eat the dog but you don't have to torture it before torture. you eat it come on mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Treatment of the animal. That's, uh, that's no bueno. Mm-hmm. Not good stuff. Um, what are some other, uh, delicacies that also, uh, oh, uh, um, what is it called? Foie gras. Uh, the duck, fatted duck liver. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, so, uh, that's, that's also another thing that involves animal cruelty, uh, prior to the production of the, the, the substance. You know, like they, they, they'll force feed, uh, the duck until, uh, I, I believe until the, the liver ruptures or, or it's, it like a couple of its organs fail as a result of being forced fed, fed this amount of, uh, I guess like some kind of, you know, grain diet, you know, clear them out. I guess that's what, basically what they do. Uh, but yeah, it's, it apparently, you know, very uncomfortable for the animal. So it would be totally fine to eat these dogs as long as you didn't torture them prior to consuming them. I, I, I mean, I still would abstain. I personally don't want to eat dog. I, I'm I'm 25 years old. I haven't eaten dog up to this point. I don't feel like changing that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, if they want to, I feel like I can't tell them no. <laughs> Obviously, I have no grounds to. I'm not. I'm not the king of China. I don't have. I don't have the ability to do this. But uh, good luck, Jimmy. I am. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, of China. I'm the king. Of China. I can do But <laughs> if they want to, you know, I feel like they could at least like not torture the dogs in front of their dog friends before they kill them. It's like, come on, let's have a little decency here. At the same time. The meat industry in America, factory farming, is awful and is the equivalent of torture. It, in America, we literally chop off chickens' beaks so they can't peck themselves to death because they'll do that because they're in so much distress. And we throw little baby chicks, if they're male chicks, into giant meat grinders, essentially, to make dog mm-hmm. food. It's yeah. so, and I eat plenty of chicken and support that entire complex so i there's no i have no moral authority over the chinese people but uh i totally yeah i totally agree i think it would be ethnocentric of us to think that dog meat is off limits simply because it's not normative in our culture uh but by the same token uh, i think an important factor that plays into this is the uh the intelligence of the animal uh now I, from what I've heard, and I've never kept pigs, but my 
my father used to keep pigs when when he was much younger uh, on you know on a farm with his parents. Uh, and apparently, pigs are very intelligent. Like it, it, as intelligent as your average dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're against eating dogs for the fact that they can be your companion, well, you should also probably reconsider pork and and maybe even you know other ruminants uh, if you are you know concerned about. Uh, the animal being aware in any capacity, maybe cows kind of be off limits as well. Like only the dumbest of the dumb animals, the ones that aren't aware of their existence, should be the only ones on the menu. <laughs> That's why I don't feel bad about eating chicken. And plus, chickens are descendants from dinosaurs, and dinosaurs try to eat us. So, yeah. chickens have a, a very simple brain. Like it, it's it's somewhat closely related. Uh, just consuming meat in general. Once upon a time, you were a vegetarian, right, Jim? I was a vegetarian for almost three years. Yeah, what? Well, I think that's pretty admirable. Did you see? Uh, did you see your your health change overall? Uh, you know, when you started, and well, of course, when I the... stopped eating meat, I also stopped consuming soda. And so there was obvious health benefits there from all of that. And I was Mm -hmm. also living on a college campus where I was doing a lot more walking than I did in my sedentary lifestyle when I was in high school growing up. So I think I had a lot of different lifestyle changes that happened at the same time. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I experienced positive health benefits as far as feeling better and healthier and all of that fun, happy stuff. But I wasn't one of those vegetarians that's like a, a cheese and bread vegetarian, which there was a lot of those where we went to school as well that just ate cheese pizza and french fries. And that was basically it. And they were lard asses. And they were unhealthy, but I was a healthy vegetarian. We had a really nice salad bar where Tim and I went to college, so I ate lots of rice and beans and salads every day and drank lots of water. It's probably the healthiest I was ever, ever was and ever will be because I don't like buying salad. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did go to a, a, a pretty progressive uh, college that tried to cater to the needs, uh, the, the nutritional and dietary needs of uh, the diverse population that attended the college. So that was something that we were pretty lucky about. Um, by the same token, uh, I feel like, you know, you're so limited in, in scope when it, when it comes to any type of dietary restriction, uh, whether it's vegetarian or vegan, which are some of the most difficult, uh, or, or it's just like low fat or low carb, um, just not being able to pick from everything on the menu for whatever reason is enough of an inconvenience that I would assume it would cause a lot of people to rethink their decision to actually be on that diet. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard. You definitely find some places, like even some places where you would think they would have vegetarian options. They just like anything that would normally be vegetarian, they would just like throw bacon bits into. So you're just like, <laughs> it's just like impossible. I went to a Cheddar's one time and like the only thing on the menu that looks relatively vegetarian was their potato soup. But the potato soup had bacon bits, so I was screwed. Gonna win. Nice. Can you not ask for like sans bacon bits potato soup? I did, but I think they cooked it in there because I asked for it, and they came back and it still had bacon bits in it. (laughs) 
Wow. So I think it's just hey, cooked into it. Like, oh, let's try to get it out, and and so it still didn't work. You think there's somebody back there with like just their nasty hands, just like picking bacon bits <laughs> one by one out of a bowl of soup? Yeah, probably. I bet you know if I was the guy, I would be like eating them on the way, like oh that's bacon bits. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. Just putting his like spit covered <laughs> finger back into the soup to yeah. grab the next one. Nom 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 nom. Here you go. I fixed it. Oh yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Can't believe that they don't want the bacon. More for me. Yum yum yum. <laughs> exactly. They just have like a, a fat dude in the back that just like feed all the extra bacon bits too. Oh, we got another vegetarian. Here you go. Oh, thank you. And just eats it. Yeah. <laughs> it's his only job. Like <laughs> they're just passing bowls of soup by the guy, and he just goes like picks all the bacon bits out of. Exactly. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> so, uh, so when it comes to the, the ethical implications of eating certain animals, do you think that there are certain guidelines that we can universally go by? Um, I feel like universal guidelines are always hard. And so obviously these are just going to be guidelines that I wish that were enacted. I, I feel like no animal should necessarily be off limits unless it's endangered. I Okay. I have certain preservation species. Exactly, preservation of species. There's certain yeah. aquatic animals that are eaten in certain countries that I wish weren't eaten mm. because we're not gonna have them anymore. And then so preservation of species, and also just like not torturing the animals. I feel like right. that's pretty basic. Like no, like no unnecessary harm caused to the animals that isn't required to procure the meat from them. It should be necessary to kind of exactly because you know, you know like if if funneling a cow through crowded gates could possibly be considered torture and I know because I've been to the DMV I know that that is torture in some respect you know waiting in line all day and you you waiting for your number to get called and when your number is called and they're going to ask you to fill out all this paperwork and go sit your ass back down and yeah that's no fun I don't want cows to go through that either mm-hmm. no. It's a one of those uh, animal cruelty situations. Absolutely, <laughs> but it's difficult. It's difficult to tell, right? Like, there's a certain balance uh, because there there's gonna have to be if you're slaughtering the animal, <laughs> there's gonna have to be some pain involved at some point. You can't even if it's a you know sudden death uh, with like a, a, a cow gun or uh, you know like some kind of you know electrical stunning device. Uh, I, I don't know. What's the most humane way to kill something? Well, I actually visited a humane slaughterhouse while I was attending college. I was in a foodways kind of course. And it's interesting. This one, I think it was specifically cows. Well, I think they did chickens too. I don't remember how the chicken process worked. But for the cows, it was interesting. It had the, the funnel thing you're talking about of funneling the cows in through. But then there was basically this giant device that they basically called like a hugging machine or something like that because cows are herd animals and they like being close to other animals. It makes them feel safe. So this basically machine would kind of like hug them is the best way to describe it. Not squish them by any means. It wasn't just like a giant compressor just like in cow pancakes. No, but it would just like kind of gently squeeze them to calm them down. But then a, like an electric dart thing would be shot to the brain and supposedly they would die instantly and feel minimal pain and so 
it, it's obviously still murder, but I guess the most humane murder they could possibly figure out. Yeah. Jeez. Well, I, okay. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to take their word for it because I am going to try to avoid at all costs ever working at any type of meat processing facility. Um, I'm, I'm not dedicated enough. I'm, I'm no Upton Sinclair. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like infiltrate, you know, the Chicago meatpacking industry and figure out all of the evils that are going on there. Uh, so let's hope that these people are being being equitable, being kind. That they're not just trying to pull the wool over our eyes so that they we can charge us more money. So, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're, this is a fair trade vegan uh, something or another. I don't know. Got a big long list of all of these different ethical terms, and it's all of those. So pay double. Pay double <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be near them either. There's an area of Louisville called Butcher Town, and as the name would suggest, there's a a pig butchering facility there. And if you drive by at certain times of day, you get a nice, fun smell in the air. But also, other times there'll be these huge semi trucks that uh, are used specifically for, I guess, traveling pigs from the surrounding area to this plant. And you can just hear the mm. pigs screaming. They know what yeah. is to come. And it is the most awful sound ever. It is not, yeah, a, not a fun I'm sound. Sure it's it would freak me out too. You know, getting get loaded into a, a big bus or something like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna take you somewhere. You don't really know where you're going. You've never been trip. there before. But you're sure as hell not coming back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, but uh, so dogs in particular, and I guess we could lump domestic animals or domesticated companion animals in general uh, in this group. So I, I think it would be fair to say that most people uh, in the United States would not be okay eating their dog or their cat in the instance that they would be hungry. No, you, you're not going to, you're not going to go out and you're not going to slaughter your, your pet in order to eat it. So I think that that's really, that's playing into the way in which American cultures are viewing the Yulin dog festival. You know, it's first and foremost, you wouldn't even have to mention any of the atrocities that are going on in terms of animal torture in order to dissuade someone from you know, giving it a thumbs up. All you'd have to do is be like, it's dogs, you know, yeah. and you like your dog. So, you know, don't do it. You know, don't 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 advocate for something like the Yulin Dog Festival to occur, which they do eat cats as well. Uh, I, I saw another article that that mentioned that they will consume uh, a small amount of cats as well, but I think the dogs are, are really the focal point. The main course, if you will. The main course, if you will. But if you're, if you're looking really hard, if you really want some cat to go with your dog, you can find it. It may, it may come at a price, but it is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I, guess it, I feel like I would feel less bad about eating cat than dog. Is, is that, does that make me a bad person? No, not at all. But... We, we have this, this like tier system, right? Uh, of how likely these animals are to feel empathy or, you know, recognize that they are in tumultuous circumstances. I think that's why we feel that, that, you know, the empathy for them because they in all likelihood could feel empathy for us. And that's what makes them great companions, right? Like 
Dogs are good companions because they feel what we feel, and they they feel it so strongly. Cats, on the other hand, I have a cat, and it I don't think it cares. It it couldn't give less of a care in the world about what happened to me. If I died, it would have my face eaten off in five minutes. <laughs> it's like you're next. How yeah. about we have a Tim eating festival right now? <laughs> uh. Do we have any last comments about the dog festival? I feel like we covered a lot of ground. There's certain, I feel like certain there's bases that whether or not we should or should not eat these dogs, but at the same time, maybe us as Westerners can't necessarily say whether or not. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there any good, is there any silver linings to the dog festival? Is there any happiness from this? Well, there, there's a possibility. So, uh, you could be curbing uh, excess or you know vermin-like dog populations if they're just running astray. Like I've heard uh, that packs of wild dogs, especially in uh, you know wasteland-esque areas, it's, it's quite a formidable thing and very scary to deal with. So I would very much like somebody to take care of them. You know whether it be just like euthanizing the animals or uh, you know, putting them in some type of humane society so that they can be distributed to the public as pets, if that's even possible after the dogs have gone all pack feral. <laughs> but you, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to have to deal with those excess populations. There's a lot of problems that can be caused by that. Uh, so I don't know. You maybe maybe that's a good thing. A very interesting point. How many dogs <laughs> in America are euthanized in pounds and the like that are being wasted and not eaten for their dog meat? Yep, that's right. They're just, they're just being thrown away. We are I, I assume plenty of Freeman. dogs that have perfectly yep. good, tasty dog meat, and just throwing yep. them in the ground or burning them or whatever. We could be eating those fuckers. That's right. We could just uh, pile them up. Gosh, if we have any type of food shortage. Uh, especially in any of the metropolitan areas where you see, uh, see a, an abundance of the homeless. Like, let's just feed them dogs. Yeah. There we go. That's what cool. we need to do <laughs> is take all those <laughs> inner city dogs that don't have any homes, instead of just burning their corpses, we should euthanize them and feed them to the homeless population. Oh, man. So, I know that I've heard some people joke about this prior, but, uh, I, I I literally do. I think that I have probably incidentally eaten dog sometime over the course of my life without knowing that it's dog. How do you, why do you how can you make that judgment call? Okay, so think about it. Like there's all of this there's all this extra meat out there, right? And somebody has got to have seen that as being a good business venture or at least a good resource that they can take hold of. So if they can take that dog meat and in some way pass it off as say like I don't know. If it's like veal, then that means it's relatively like a red meat, right? So you could like pass it off as beef, maybe. I don't know. Like sell it in like a low-budget grocery store. Like, what if you went to Aldi's and you picked up? Uh, I you know, don't like, think. Uh, I think Aldi's has very high quality standards. <laughs> I just say Aldi's because that's where I go to shop. <laughs> I like Aldi's. I don't think Aldi's I would do. ever do that to me. Nope, definitely not. I just. I don't. I mean. I did. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I just feel like, I mean, maybe I don't have the most sensitive taste buds in the world, but, you know, beef looks a certain way. Beef is a very red meat. I feel like if you tried to sneak some dog in there, it would look sketchy as hell. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but why why would it look sketchy as hell? Like, what does dog meat look like? I don't know I, that. I don't know, but I'm just assuming it's not going to be as red as as beef. It's not know. quite as red. Oh man, but you you'd have to be really on point to get that 100 percent of the time. And even if you do, you know, are you gonna like? What if it's like breaded? What if they fried it? What if you don't know what Who's it looks like? Who's frying anymore? it? Who? I you don't know. I mean, oh I mean it could God. be anybody. Like, what if you went to? I don't think TGI Fridays is trying to slip <laughs> me dog meat in yep. replace of my chicken fried steak. I just don't think that's what's happening. Tim. What about Applebee's? Maybe I, I Applebee's, you're right. Like... Applebee's would probably do something <laughs> like that. You got me. <laughs> well, we'll judge each by its own merit. And, uh, you know, up next time on Seneca Empowerment, we're going to be reviewing uh, the possibility that various restaurants are serving dog oh meat in their restaurants. I'm, I'm going to have to look it up, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Oh jeez, uh, mystery meat. Uh, maybe you were fed it in middle school, you know, like on on those chilly days or sloppy Joe days. You don't know what kind of meat's in there. I still find There's it no- very unlikely. I just, America, we don't even like eating horse. Like we're against eating horse, so I highly doubt we're eating. Yeah, I've heard horses like bad as, in terms of like like sinuous. Yeah, like it's just not like it's like a weird greasy kind of thing. I don't know. I, I I really don't know. Maybe it's fantastic, and maybe we're just not branching out enough. Right. Maybe we we need to have like a smorgasbord. I got my dog. I got my cat. I got my horse. Oh my god! Just like pop a little finger finger food. Yeah, be great. <laughs> but give it a try out there. Tell us what you think. Give us a comment on our Facebook page. Oh my god! <laughs> let us let us know That's, what you think about. Eating our yeah. furry friends, or at the very least, like send us a comment about uh, so, some unusual types of, of meats, or maybe some taboo uh, delicacies that you've had over the course of your life, and what they tasted uh, like. And what they tasted like. That's right. I'm always down for new experiences, so give me some recommendations. That'd be lovely. Um, absolutely. Uh, so, Jimmy. Yes. You, you want to? Uh, so, do we have anything else to talk about in terms of the Yulin Dog Festival? Are you going to go next year? Uh, no, God, no. I'd, I'd be so sad. <laughs> I would just be. It would just be me walking through the streets, just like crying. Yeah. <laughs> and then just people pointing and laughing. Um, yeah. yeah. I could. I wouldn't be able to have a good time. Like it's, it, you know, but that, that's like the thing, right? If if someone's doing something that isn't directly harming you, you know, yep. you just don't participate. That's how you resolve that. That's that's how my beliefs normally lie. But oh well. Well, yeah, you can always take the, the the passive route. You know, just don't don't advocate it by not being involved. I like it. I think that's that's a pretty safe bet, especially if you want to maintain, uh, you know, um, multiculturalism or uh, cultural pluralism. pluralism. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Good call, Jimmy. Hey. Good call. So, uh, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Tim? Um, okay. Well, let's see. What else could we talk about? We could talk about Memorial Day. Oh 
yes, this is Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day. Hope everybody's got some barbecue out there, ready to ready to uh, grill it up. Maybe a little bit of dog. Oh, got it. Slap it on the grill. Yum yum yum. Uh, Memorial Day. So uh, Memorial Day is one of those federal holidays, uh, and I think it was actually last episode that we discussed. Um, you know, this kind of a military industrial complex and the way in which uh, certain holidays or certain, uh, uh, mm, you know, uh, very popular cultural icons with, within uh, the Western world kind of gear our youth towards believing that uh, being in the military is a romantic or exciting kind of uh, profession or something that is is going to grant you honor or valor, I guess is a, one of those terms that's thrown around a lot. So Memorial Day, uh, I'm not necessarily sure that it is encouraging people to be in the military, but it definitely shows you that we are willing to uh, uh, look back on our fallen soldiers and, uh, you know, give them give them a day in which we remember their loss, you know, what, what they sacrificed. Absolutely. Which is noble, you know? Like it, you know, if you believe something so much that you're willing to die for it, then by all means, uh, I think that you're probably living your life in good faith, at, at the very least. Like, it doesn't really matter what you're dying for, but if you believe something so strongly, you know, who am I to say that you're wrong? Absolutely. Um, yeah, and honestly, I'm just down for any day the government wants to give me off. Like, if they wanted, if the government wanted to have a holiday about, like, eating dog, you know, yep. I'd take that day off if they were going to give it to me. Well, what if, in order to take it, the day off, that you had to eat some? Pass. If they don't do that <laughs> with any other holiday, that would be the first. I would take them to the Supreme Court, and I would probably win. Yeah, Supreme Court. Well, I don't know, man. They've been uh, they've been passing a lot of decisions lately that are not necessarily in the general public's favor. That's true. Like how they don't want people to be able to make um oh uh oh god I know I can't even think of the word when you have a lawsuit and it's a bunch of people making the lawsuit together as opposed to just one person arbitrating. What's that called? Arbitrate. Names, yeah. Uh, it, Class wait, what action. Is it called? Basically, they've oh, made okay. it illegal. Not uh, the basically corporations can say their employees aren't allowed to do class action lawsuits, which is great. As a condition of employment, absolutely. Yeah. It's pretty uh, cool. So that's recently been passed. Uh, it was five to four, so it was split pretty close, right down to the middle. Um, with our, uh, actually, was it uh, is was Gorsuch? Representing the majority there, I think uh, RBG was representing the minority. I have no idea. I just know that it, whether it passed or didn't pass. Uh, apparently, well, it, to, to go into it a little bit. Uh, so yeah, this is certainly something to be sad about because this prevents people from being able to band together in order to ensure that their rights are upheld. But you know, it, it's pretty complicated because, like so many other issues. Uh, you know, when you, when you pit, uh, employers versus their employees, uh, you get into some pretty contingent topics. Uh, a lot of people, even those that are in areas of the country that are being, uh, oppressed by 
these large company owners are still adamantly against unions, uh, which I find to be kind of fascinating in a way. But unions these days have kind of taken, or at least some of the unions have taken the approach of large corporations as well. And how else are they going to be able to defend themselves uh, from these large employers without banding together, paying dues, and essentially making a company on their own that is going to be able to serve their interests except on more of a political spectrum rather than a business sector spectrum. I don't know. I just think it's well, the the one thing that's said about like the class action thing in particular is like let's say you have a company that's doing wage theft and it's not on an individual level, it's only like let's say five dollars for like every ten individuals that work in that company. So for an individual person to pay a lawyer to try to get his five dollars back it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but let's say if it was some giant employer that mm-hmm. has thousands and thousands of employees, they might be scraping off millions of dollars for their company that they're stealing from yep. their employees, but, but mm-hmm. without enabling class action lawsuits, there's no way for people to demand better for themselves and we're yeah. going to seek justice. So that's, that's what upsets me. Yeah, and, and I don't know, uh, I mean, it, it would probably be easier just to go case by case uh, and look at each of these, uh, I guess, these class action lawsuits to see if people are unnecessarily bringing these to the attention of whatever union organizer, you know, um, bringing forth an arbitration claim frivolously. Uh, but I think by and large, you know, it's very important that people are able to group together and you're always going to be stronger in numbers. And you're you're not going to be you know crushed beneath the foot of uh, you know some large corporate uh, you know monstrosity that that's going to do to buy the best lawyer and lawyer ten, which is the town where all the lawyers come from. The lawyer ten, yeah. Well, and that that's something else too. Like uh, the the prohibitive costs to hire any type of uh, law advice. Uh, it's astronomical, and especially when you're dealing with these large companies, they might have a certain bar that they're operating on, uh, and unless you can pay these fees to develop an arbitration claim that is going to even be able to go to court or even be able to uh, uh, you know, begin the process, it, it's a huge, huge fee. Like They, they know they can't pay it, <laughs> and I, I don't know. It's difficult, man. That make a lot of sense. It makes me but sad. But both of these, uh, um, you know, both of these justices were going based off of uh, like law that was, you know, within the heart of the New Deal uh, back in the early 1900s. Uh, and you know, it's difficult to tell who in this instance is, is absolutely right. Uh, or if you know, these justices should have the power to be able to enforce that kind of thing. Yeah. Yay, American law system. Yeah, um, it, it's complicated. I mean, obviously, you know, the the Supreme Court's just there to say yay or nay to laws of whether or not they're justified based on the Constitution, I guess, in previous law. But at the same time, and you know, and, and lots of important things have come out through that of decisions made in the Supreme Court that have brought about... Um, better equality between different uh, people and 
uh, in the United States. But yeah, it's always it's always interesting to see all these things turn out. But yeah, I don't know. Yep. I don't know, man. Yep. I don't know. I don't think that would have happened if Merrick Garland had been in the place of uh, Mr. Gorsuch there. Yeah, but that's, well, that's, a, that's an interesting thing too. It's like the fate of the country <laughs> and the way we interpret it, interpret uh, the laws of the land can change mm-hmm. so vastly based on the individuals we have in place to interpret the land, and those yeah. individuals as well are appointed by the president that I guess we vote for. So it's like a line of people. We don't vote these people to be our interpreters. We vote for the guy that puts them in place (laughs) and they're there for life. And we're in a, we're in a Republic, not necessarily democracy. So, you know, we have representatives that are going to elect those people, uh, whether or not, you know, obviously the popular vote didn't win out in the 2016 presidential election. So, that's obviously not the case. You know, like we're definitely not directly electing these people. Um, not to mention like, you know, data accuracy and sample size 101, nine justices, like nine. Like why, why would we expect that that would be in any, any shade, any shape or form accurate? Like we have, uh, it's booking the people in the house and the Senate, like, you know, look at look at our legislative process, and we've got one guy who is uh, the chief of state, and then we've got nine people that are interpreting the laws. This is a little bit weird. Well, if we know anything about the imperial system for like measuring, like why is there twelve inches in like a foot? Why is there you know three feet in a meter? We we like our arbitrary numbers, Tim. Don't take that away from us. <laughs> don't take that away from us. We like the arbitrary numbers. Touche. <laughs> I I like arbitrary numbers. Yeah, that sounds nice. But why those numbers? Why do we have to settle on nine's that? a great number? It's one less than ten. Come on, Tim, get with the program. That's true. And if we had ten, then we would always just have votes right down the middle, just be five and five. But why? Oh, whatever. Uh, okay, I digress. Yeah, that's enough. Enough of that. Okay. Uh, so, Jimmy, is there anything you're sad about? Anything this guy is sad about? Am I sad about <laughs> anything? Um, you know, I'm I'm just gonna ride this gravy train. I'm doing pretty okay, man. I'm doing pretty okay. I can't complain. Things are mostly good, more good than bad. I. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's things in the world that bum me out, but I I just gotta you know take a step back, realize that I I can't change everything. It's it's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's not my job. So just yeah. you know, breathe into a paper bag a few times until I get lightheaded and pass out and start all over again. You know. <laughs> yep, that's the that's the key to avoid your sadness. You just need to be unconscious. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I, but no, I totally agree. I am with you a hundred percent. Uh, I am, I am also feeling all right. It's okay. Uh, and to, uh, perhaps to a lot of our listeners discontent, uh, you know, we started this podcast with the notion that, um, you know, our sadness is going to perpetually, uh, be able to lend us, uh, you know, informative and novel topics 
that we can discuss with our audience. And uh, sure enough, there is an abundance of those types of topics out in the world. Uh, as far as you know, us as individuals, uh, being able to discuss the things that bother us, uh, especially in a setting that you guys are, are willing to uh, take the time to listen to, uh, it really gives us uh, an, an ability to have that podium that is in and of itself very, uh, very positive and lends itself to being able to disseminate uh, or, I guess, dissolve some of our set uh, among our, our audience. So thank you, guys. Uh, we're, we're really doing this because of selfish reasons, so we appreciate <laughs> being part of that and, uh, and helping helping to aid us in our, our process to discover true happiness. That's true. true. Tim and I are too cynical to go and pay a therapist to tell us how we should think and feel. So instead, we're going to hold on to all of our grudges and uh, rumination and bad feelings and just spout mm-hmm. them on to you as our listeners mm-hmm. and allow you to absorb these negative thoughts and feelings and <laughs> make ourselves feel better in the process so thank you again Bottom mm-hmm. and and that's also uh you know that, that bleeds into our closing statements uh you guys really need to tell us uh how y'all are doing uh comment on our facebook page you know let us know how you're feeling if you if you had any issues with the episode uh something that we were completely wrong about you know correct us on the next episode we'll make sure to uh let everybody know what we got wrong uh, we'll give you a little bit of a shout out if you prefer, uh, and uh, you know you you can be part of this community. We'll build it up together, and uh, yeah. So please, please, please do that. Yes, I second everything that Tim said. Uh, and so if you are interested in voicing your opinions, thoughts, ideals, corrections, etc., feel free to send us an email at cynicempowerment at gmail dot com. Cynic empowerment. It's two words spelled exactly the way they're spelt in the dictionary. And uh, as well as to mention, we have a Facebook page that you can also yep. like us, leave comments, message us, etc. And yeah, we, we, uh, we like that. We like, we like hearing what you think. We like uh, knowing that we, we've reached you in one way or another and that our voices were heard and that you have a voice that wants to be heard as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's it for today's episode. Uh, Thanks again for joining us. And uh, keep your head up and catch you next time.